Hey, welcome to the Bookkeeper's Voice, the go-to business management podcast for Australian bookkeepers running a business. Tune in for practical lessons, inspiring stories, guest speakers and resources to help you work smarter in the way you do business. And now your host, Amy Hook, is here to help you build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love. Okay, so awesome. So today I'm going to replay to you the 2017 throwback part two with Sophie Hossack from Receipt Bank. And Sophie spoke to me in 2017 on the Off the Hook Bass Agents webinar, which was which it was called back then, back when the savvy bookkeeper was known as Create Build Love. There's a little fact that you didn't already know. So two weeks ago on episode 48, if you want to catch up on it, Sophie spoke to me about asking for referrals from accountants and clients and she's got so many good tips on that topic then definitely listen to that if you haven't already and what I'm doing because there was two great topics that we spoke about that day I wanted to make it into two separate podcasts because they're kind of two unrelated uh, topics so today's replay is going to be Sophie Hossack talking to myself and our um, webinar guests about Another very important topic that will help you in your bookkeeping business, which is about developing your team and your team culture. I don't know how many times I've heard bookkeepers say there's no good staff out there or it's so hard to keep and or find good staff. Now, I think we all, you know, we still have to contribute to our own team culture. And a lot of the time it's very well known that, you know, if you want to do a marketing campaign, you need to know who your target market is. You need to think about your niche. You need to think about your ideal client and who you enjoy working with. But very often we forget to do this when we're thinking about hiring our staff. So anyway, I could talk to you about this topic for hours. I've got a fantastic team. I have been through all the ups and downs of hiring, but we really have a fantastic team. So I can make another episode if you're interested and I can talk all about um, that kind of thing. But I really think that you'd love to hear this episode um, and love, love to hear what Sophie had to say back in 2017. Now, Sophie was the Australian manager for Receipt Bank, managing over 30 staff. Um, and she just got you know, such a great approach to the way that she develops her team. I just really, really love her philosophy. And all, um, although she, don't, she doesn't work at Receipt Bank anymore, she's back in the UK and she's working for a medical um, company and you know, she's um, back there doing her thing. But um, she gave me permission to, to replay this episode and I just thought you'd get a lot of value out of it. Sophie was the first employee at Receipt Bank. So after the two founders started Receipt Bank, so Alexis Pren and Michael Wood are the two founders. So they founded Receipt farm together as it was known back then and then Sophie Sophie was their first employee which I thought was pretty cool now just before I play replay this recording I really want to share something with you because I'm assuming that once you get through an episode you might not listen to the actual podcast outro especially once you've heard it a few times you probably skip the intro and the outro which is completely fine but I'm just letting you know that I'm going to have a new intro and a new outro 
um, starting very soon, probably hopefully from next episode. But I thought what I'll do is in case you haven't been listening to them, especially the ones at the end, I want to actually let you know what I'm actually saying in those because I don't want you to miss out. So as you know, we run the podcast every week. I pretty much try and do it every week unless, um, you know, if something comes up that's very important at home, um, which hasn't been... Yeah, I haven't missed too many. So I did, I missed one when I had my little uh, mini semi burnout, um, which I spoke to you about in um, the bookkeeping project episode. Um, was it six or seven? I don't know. Episode six or seven, I actually had a bit of burnout. So I did skip a week. And also about two weeks ago, I skipped because of the um, public holiday that's a pretty lame excuse. I think I should still do that um, <laughs> on the public holiday, but that's okay. It was very flattering actually to receive emails from people saying, hey, where's the podcast? So I'm super stoked about that part. <laughs> um, I'm so stoked that I even said something so cheesy, like super stoked. <laughs> Who says that? I don't know, not me. Um, but anyway, there you go. So I, I was very happy and very actually, um, yeah, that was a huge compliment. Um, you know, to receive those emails from people saying, hey, how come there's no podcast today? Um, because obviously public holidays aren't the same in every state. So what I was going to say to you is what you've been missing out on if you haven't been listening to the outro is that you can actually subscribe to the podcast if you listen on your mobile, on a mobile app. So seeing as you're on that app listening to me right now, just get your app out and hit the subscribe button because it means you'll get notified every time, um, if you didn't already know that, obviously. But for those of you who are listening on your computer, you probably aren't listening on a podcast app. You might be just listening from our website. So if you listen to the podcast on your on on our website, thesavvybookkeeper.com.au forward slash podcast. If that's where you're listening, you might want to be receiving notifications. Now, we have been giving notifications to everybody in our database every single Friday by email. But what we decided to do is, because not everybody wants to receive those emails, but they don't want to opt out of all of the other um, good emails that we send through. So um, what we've done, we've actually moved platforms where we send our emails from. So which is really cool. What we're doing this time is we've actually opted everybody out of receiving podcast notifications and we're going to give you an opportunity to opt back in yourself so that only the people who want the actual notifications get them. Because obviously if you're listening on your mobile and you get mobile notifications each week, you don't want to get an email. Like, and gosh, if anyone hates email inbox clutter, it's me. Um, so I don't want to ever do that to you. So I'm just letting you know, you will need to go to our website, click on the podcast page. And if you want to receive the notifications, just open that up in your browser right now. You'll see a little form and all you need to do is put in your name and your email address and we will automatically send you a nice little notification on Friday morning saying, hey, the podcast is now available. And so the other thing that I wanted to make sure that you knew, if you're not already, we actually have a Facebook group, which you might like to be a member of. So that's the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook group, which is facebook.com forward slash 
groups forward slash the savvy bookkeeper so it's actually a private facebook group where there's a whole bunch of other um, bookkeepers in there and we've got a nice little community in there we also share resources and all sorts of tips and ideas so even my husband will some of you um, probably have seen some of his helpful posts he's really big on um, being helpful about technology and things like that so um, yeah there's lots of great things that are going on in that group but also coming up this year so i recommend that you jump in there so you just go into facebook and search for the savvy bookkeeper um, so we have a public page but there is a private group so please join that group um, and when you join that group we actually have a um, we, we always have a freebie that we're giving away as well so if you join that that group I think at the moment it's the pricing mistakes mini course that you can join in there so if you'd like to do that as well that would be great and the very last thing that you might be missing at the end of the podcast outro is I would love it if you leave me a review because I get so many emails from people saying I love your podcast and when I um when I call bookkeepers you know when I go through and do follow-up calls from our programs and things like that I always call to speak to people and I just get the nicest comments from people saying I love your podcast I love what you're doing you know some people say they keep oh you keep me company some someone said that they've got a filing cabinet um file with my name on it which is like massively flattering <laughs> i just thought that is so sweet but one thing i've noticed is that nobody's left any reviews on the actual podcast so if you're on your app right now there's a little spot where you can click a number of stars and you can actually click on that and it will ask you if you want to type a review so i would really really love it if some of you guys could actually start leaving reviews because obviously i don't know I, I know bookkeepers can be a bit shy about doing things publicly and maybe they feel like they don't want to show off and things like that and I do love the emails but I would love it if you would let other people know by making a comment on there and giving us a rating on there hopefully five stars obviously be honest but <laughs> hopefully if you're not if you don't want um, think that we're five stars please send me an email uh, savvy at the savvybookkeeper.com.au and tell us what we could do better but I know from the feedback we've been getting that everyone's loving the podcast so I'd just love it if you guys could show me some love so that I know that you're enjoying it and I'd love to see some reviews on there so um, actually in fact I'm going to give you a reward I, I've just decided I'm going to send you something if you put if you put a review on the podcast, I'm going to send you, hmm, I haven't thought about this. What am I going to send you? And how will I know who you are? Well, I'll know who you are. What I'll do is if I see your name on there and you're already in our email database, then I'm going to look you up and I'm going to send you some free health check templates so that you can perform bookkeeping health checks. Um, and I can send those to your email. Um, if you want to leave um, a lovely review for me and you don't think that you're already subscribed to our emails, then just go to that page that I told you. So the savvybookkeeper.com.au forward slash podcast, pop in your name and your email address. And once you've filled out that little form, I'll be able to match your lovely review into my database and I'll know exactly who you are. And then I will send you uh, some of my health check information and templates that I use in my business to help me to scope rescue jobs and to make sure that I'm quoting the right amount when I bring on a new client. So um, I'd love to see that there and I'm hoping that a little re reward incentive might inspire you to do it. I'm sure you'd love to do it at, a, at the love of your own heart, but I know we're all busy. So I'd love it if you could do that. Anyway, I will not hold you up anymore. I'm going to put you over to the 2017 
throwback with Sophie Hossack talking about team development and team culture. And I am very much looking forward to listening to this again. Let's go to the replay and I'll see you next week. Well, I won't see you, but you'll hear me. Well, thank you so much for uh, for inviting me. That was quite an introduction. My gosh, I wrote down quite a lot of things you said, thinking, gosh, I have to tell the team that. <laughs> yeah, you will have to tell them. I, I just thought, I don't know, they're just a really encouraging bunch of people. And I, I guess I finally figured out that, you know, obviously you've probably got something to do with that. So <laughs> topics that you're passionate about. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I... I think I really liked your comment about I liked their humans um, <laughs> because uh, you've got to like who you work with both in your organization but also your suppliers that you work with I think that's so crucial yeah. and it doesn't mean that you know, we're just nice people often actually it doesn't mean that often yeah. as you say it means something quite different it, yeah exactly well, tell us a little bit about the topics you know topics you're going to speak to us about tonight yeah i'm going to talk about one um i'm going to talk about building your team and some of the things to consider when you're um building a team for a lot of bookkeepers that we speak to they may be sole practitioners um some may be looking at adding maybe one staff member two staff members um some often look at outsourcing or having contractors who are external yep. so some of the things that i'll be discussing are, are things that i've learned along the way of building our team here and um so they're not necessarily specific to our organization um specific to, to us but um i hope that they're going to be general enough for, for people to find useful yeah great i'm sure it'll be very helpful and so i guess i wanted to kind of get the conversation started or just to hear you know get everyone to hear some of the things about your background that i obviously already know so i wanted to start off by asking you if you would share a little bit with the uh, ladies about receipt farm <laughs> yes yes i will um so receipt farm was an organization that um promised if you sent your paperwork to them in a plastic bag they would extract all of the data into an Excel spreadsheet within seven working days. Yeah. And at the time... Based in the UK. Based only in the UK. Yeah. Based only in the UK. Okay. At the time, that seemed like a pretty good gig um, to yeah. one of our co-founders, Michael. So Michael um, is just by far one of the cleverest men that I've ever met. Like super bright, <laughs> super intelligent. Um, but like a lot of intelligent people often struggles at really basic things. Okay. Um, and so he had his own consulting company and consistently got fined by the HMRC in the UK for oh, being wow. late with his bookkeeping. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he was always behind, always losing paperwork, you know, just the nightmare client, literally your nightmare client. That was him. Yep. Um, so he'd Googled receipt processing, uh, cause he was on a cloud general ledger in the UK, actually called a product called Cashflow. So he was already using that. And so he Googled, you know, receipt processing and found a company called Receipt Farm. Right. And so he gave it a I trial. I you laugh when I heard that name. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Initially the marketing had like cows and stuff. I'm pretty gutted that we Whoa. didn't get to keep them. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, he did their 14 day free trial and um, he got his Excel spreadsheet back. Yeah. And he was over the, over the moon. He thought this was absolutely going to solve all of his 
problems yeah. and all of the chasing from his, you know, his accountant. Um, but then he realized actually it didn't at all because he had to copy and paste all of the data because there was the Excel and then there was the general ledger. Okay. So he emailed the customer support at Receipt Farm and said, guys, you know, I love what you're doing. It's terrific. Have you thought about uh, integrating with some general ledgers? Have you thought about enabling me to give access to my accountants? And um, they came back within 10 minutes saying, thank you very much, Mr. Wood. We really appreciate and value your feedback, but we're closing down today. <laughs> so wow. he called his, uh, a previous colleague of his, Alexis, and uh, they'd previously worked in an organization for about five, six years in the investment space in the UK. Mm -hmm. And he said to Alexis, I think there's something really interesting in this. Um, and so they bought what was Receipt Farm, uh, I believe for something like a pound back in August <laughs> oh. 2010. Yeah. Um, and there were no paying clients. I think there were a handful of trialists. Um, okay. wow. The software was very, very basic. It was their premise, Receipt Farm's premise was uh, to go straight to the small business owner. Mm -hmm. Whereas Alexis and Michael from day one thought, no, no, we know that this is going to be revolutionary for firms it's actually yeah. going to be beneficial for accounting and bookkeeping firms and the reason why i say bookkeeping second is actually um we didn't know that bookkeeping firms existed in the way that they do until we came over here wow in what way so, so in the uk um a lot of accountants do bookkeeping or um the sme does the bookkeeping and there isn't this just incredible network that there is here in australia oh, and in new zealand sure. Yeah, so when like we first were and that kind of thing, you mean? Yeah, exactly. So well, it was just, yeah, amazing that um, this whole new world kind of opened up to us as soon as we came over here. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, there you go. And so, so then, how did you end up in the picture? Yeah, I um, I could make good tea, and I think I just spoke a lot in my interview. Um, yeah. <laughs> I. I had no background whatsoever. I just graduated from university. Yep. And English there would, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> super generic. Super, yeah. super generic. So yeah, English literature. Um, and I, I personally knew there were two things um, that I wanted to do. So I thought by the age of 30 that I couldn't imagine working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So as a 21 year old just graduating, I thought, gosh, okay, well, I've got nine years to work out how I can be my own boss by the age of 30. Yeah. So I better get my skates on. <laughs> and so the premise of working with two co-founders of a business at the infancy or at the inception um, was just kind of too good an opportunity. So I joined them um, six months after they bought Receipt Farm. And then we went commercial. We launched the product, I think about six weeks after I started. Mm -hmm. So that's when we first started actually yep. trying to sell sell Receipt Bank. Yeah, right, right. Well, so you're you're officially the first staff member. Yes. Apart from the owners. Apart from the owners, yeah. Yep. And you're still there. So okay. And then yeah. and then how did you end up in Australia? Yeah. Um, so in twenty gosh, twenty twelve, um, we'd been nominated for an award at a conference we didn't even know existed. Uh, which is going to make you laugh now. So it was uh, Auckland ZeroCon 2012, mm -hmm. and we'd been nominated for Emerging Add-on of the Year. So we yeah. had no idea there were awards. We had no idea there was a conference. It just came oh, completely wow. out of the blue. It's quite humbling, isn't um, it? 
it's kind of ridiculous now to think about it but yeah, yeah. um so we got nominated and after that there were lots of phone calls from particularly New Zealand firms saying you know who are you what do you do you look like you could be interesting mm. so Michael and I spent about six nine months working Kiwi and Aussie hours uh, in London so we'd have phone calls in our evenings and our early mornings trying to understand the the land the landscape here a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, we made two trips that summer um, UK so that winter here so June and August mm -hmm. and by the end of the year it was evident that somebody needed to move out mm -hmm. and as a as I was then I think a 23 24 year old I was certainly the cheapest resource to send out with no ties and uh, oh, I think holding wow. me back so they said, would you go? And I said, yes. And yep. it's been five years later and I haven't gone home yet. <laughs> right. And so, and so have you always been in Sydney since you arrived? Well, I actually moved to Auckland initially. So right. I was in Auckland for the year of 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually spent more than 60% of my time traveling to Australia. So by the end of that year, I'd said, could we move to, to Oz? Could we move the operation to Oz? Wow. Uh, and I agreed. Fantastic, so, yeah. fantastic. And so now you're in charge of the whole team in Australia, basically. Yeah, yeah. So we've got um, our team here is about, yeah, just under 30 people, um, predominantly all sales and marketing um, and a, a bit of operations as well. Mm -hmm. So our team here is quite specific. It's focused just on our partner channel. So everybody that works in my team here works with bookkeepers and accountants directly. Fantastic. Um, all of our product and um, development and kind of larger marketing infrastructure is actually based out of our London London okay. team. Yeah. Okay. And did you when you when you were younger and you were studying English literature back at home? Did you see yourself managing, you know, like such a big team of people? Like, did you see yourself in a management position at all? Or? No. No. no, never. <laughs> and that's the I suppose the most ironic thing. I got asked that question for the very first time about a year ago. Wow. Somebody said, did you imagine managing this number of people? Yeah. And I said, oh my gosh, I never even thought I'd be managing. Like that, that word yeah. never came up in my language. Yeah, you no, I was always so dead set that I wanted to own a business. Like, what, I didn't what want did to. you think you would do when you were? Um, I don't know. I knew that I would, I thought, or I wanted to, to own a business, but I didn't know what that business in what, yeah, would be. And nor did I realize <laughs> That owning a business means you have to manage people. So like, the, yeah, the two yeah. didn't really ever <laughs> yeah. meet up. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. Well, it's really good to hear a bit about your story and, you know, hear about the history of Receipt Bank and everything. And so uh, when I first started looking you up online, I had no idea that you were the first, you know, the first employee and just the whole thing, putting it all together. So it's really good. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So, um, yeah. So if you want to kind of take over from here and start to yeah. chat to the ladies about, um, yeah, this, the team building. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen. Yeah. And I've made the post, so it should work. Yeah. Hopefully this comes through as well. Okay, brilliant. And if I present that, hopefully. Yeah. Um, that all works. So I suppose there's a caveat here that um, I haven't worked for another organisation. So everything that I'm going to be talking about in this slide deck is very much our learnings as a company, um, my, I suppose, curiosity of talking to other 
um, colleagues or friends or contemporaries about their organizations and their businesses. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't come from a huge wealth of knowledge in business, but it comes from, I suppose, a really specific four or five years focusing on building teams. Mm -hmm. um, and if I sound like I've got the answers here, I absolutely don't. And if it sounds like I haven't made any mistakes, I absolutely haven't. I have made heaps. Um, so <laughs> if I come across like I'm perfect in this, uh, gosh, I'm absolutely not. So I suppose I wanted to give that, that caveat. Great. So there are kind of six things that I was thinking about um, and how, I, how I've built this team over the last yeah, four or five years. Um, and things that I might do differently or things that I've uh, refined and honed in. Um, so the first is hiring. So how do you actually look for talented people to join your team? Mm. Um, the second is then the training. So how do you develop? Uh, how do you promote? How do you uh, equip them um, to be the best that they can be? Um, incentivizing behavior. So how do you encourage and recognize the behavior that you want your team to embody and to, to act. Mm -hmm. um, one that I hope is going to be uh, popular is the outsourcing one. So how do you delegate a lot of your, of your work? Mm -hmm. um, how do you do that? Um, the fourth, or sorry, the fifth is a favorite of mine, which is the non-negotiables. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that you won't compromise on? So yeah. when you're working and developing your way of business, what are some of the three or four things that you don't compromise on? Great. And then ultimately your culture as an organization. And I think a little bit like disruption, culture can often be uh, overused as a word. And so okay. it can often be lost. Yeah. So yeah. I'll share a little bit about what I think uh, designing the experience of working in your organization could look like or, or indeed should look like. Wow, sounds sounds very uh, like a good range of topics that you've got. I'll just jump to the thread quickly and just let you know. So we've got, hang on, one, two, three, four, five, six. Let's say just over 60% don't have staff, but a, a, quite a few of them are saying that they're interested in hiring. And then we've got a handful of people um, with uh, one or two employees. So we've got some Brilliant. quite small teams there. Okay, brilliant. So I hope some of these things, maybe uh, one or two kind of jump out at you and then um, mm. they're useful along the way. Um, so if I start with hiring, um, this you could look at hiring an internal member or you could look at hiring an external contractor or even somebody uh, offshore or outsourced to help. So there's hiring doesn't necessarily need to mean somebody specific in your office. Um, but when we started, the advice I kept getting was just hire really good people, like hire, you know, grade A people. Like that was the easiest thing to do in the world. And like I was going to do anything other than hire great people. Um, and so what I want to encourage, you know, uh, us to look at instead is how do you create a process that looks at um, experience and talent of the individual? And how do you know what it is that you're looking for? Because so often when you look at hiring somebody, if you're not very specific about the role or the actions or the tasks, and importantly, more crucially, your expectation of that person in that role, they're ultimately going to fail because mm -hmm. they're never going to just miraculously um, live up to the standards that you have. 
And those standards should be absolutely high. The standards you have as a business owner need to be the highest. Mm -hmm. So how do you build a structure that supports them and encourages their success? Well, the first part is making sure you've got the right person in the right role. Yeah, so true. Um, and then the second part of that is we can often be really shy. I don't know whether this is necessarily a gender thing, but I know that it's definitely taken me uh, quite a while to gain the confidence in um, selling our organization and selling myself in this organization because people are going to want to work for you and they're going to want to know why your organization is different and why it's special and why they should feel um, encouraged and dedicated to your purpose and your mission in it. And so you've got to know that and you've got to um, sell yourself and the opportunity that you're providing. Mm. Um, that's a really key thing. Yeah, I never thought uh, about it like that actually. <laughs> that's good. And it's really simple. I mean, we, um, but sorry, there are lots of really simple things you can do. You know, there's light boxes that you can get where you can put words and letters on a light box and you switch it on and it kind of shines up, um, mm. whatever the phrases are. So we've got one that sits on our office manager's desk. So when you walk into our office, the first thing you see is Monica smiling away. And then the second thing you see is this light box. <laughs> and it'll have messages according to the guests that we have in the office that day. And a couple of weeks ago, I said to her, why don't you um, welcome each candidate when they walk in with this light box? Yes. So actually it says, welcome, you know, welcome Sam hashtag um you know this is rb which is our internal hashtag yeah. and the first time she did it the candidate said oh my gosh is that for me and it's something as simple as that that he recognized his own name on that light box and he was like oh my gosh that's really cool so it doesn't take an awful lot of these little touches that you can make people feel really personal and feel very um you know uh, what a great experience right from the very beginning yeah yeah yeah, wow, that's, that's very good. I like that. It's sort of like I guess it reminded me of how um, how you do the the cakes. Yes, the, the cakes yeah. for the new people, <laughs> the receipt bank cakes. Yeah, yeah, newbie baking. So on the first Friday of every um, new person's week, they have to bake a cake for the office. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because most people think it's a joke until the third or fourth person that day. I said, no, but seriously, what are you going to bake? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I always see them on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so the second thing is training and uh, upskilling and really building the culture of coaching within your organization. So people are consistently learning and developing because your organization will grow at the rate that you can grow and the rate that your employees can grow. Mm -hmm. And that's really key. Um, and it's really key if you can build it within the DNA of your business, it means that it's self-regulating. It means that everybody wants to develop and get better yeah. and, um, they start to help each other okay. because we've often seen people wanting to do kind of lunchtime sessions with pizza in the boardroom yeah. in firms and expect them to then walk away knowing everything about receipt bank or knowing everything about automated bookkeeping or knowing everything about client experience with with automation and of course that doesn't happen because yeah. it goes in one ear out you know in one ear out the other with the pizza it doesn't really <laughs> get embedded yeah. um and so every time you're doing training or coaching with your with your employees or your team or even with yourself actually mm. kind of crucially with yourself yeah. you should almost think of it as a campaign yeah. so what are you doing 
pre the training or pre the workshop to prepare yourself for that type of learning yeah what does the workshop or the training look like and what are you taking away from it during during it and then what are you doing afterwards to really embed it because you're going to have to repeat either elements of the training mm -hmm. or um, you're going to have to practice until it becomes embedded within your your routine and your day-to-day -day working habits um, so that's really key how do you build that culture and something we do here at receipt bank with our sales team is every week each of my team needs to listen to somebody else's phone call and straight after the phone call they'll then give them peer-to-peer -peer feedback wow. and they'll listen for certain things like um what questions did you ask what did you find out about the partner how did you help them etc um and then somebody else will listen to their call so it develops this peer-to-peer -peer DNA, both of giving and receiving feedback, but ultimately ongoing coaching, which doesn't come top down. And that's been really, really helpful. Oh yeah, that, it, it's actually really inspiring. And I, it's bringing me back to my conversations with Abhinav. <laughs> and I, I, I remember saying to him on one of our calls, that I said to him, I, I said, you should be a business coach or something, because I, I don't know, he, he, like he's really natural at coaching. Yeah. And I said, like, if you ever leave, leave Receipt Bank, like, you know, you should be a business coach because he's just really, like, yeah, good at it. But now I know, like, it, it, it's actually in your culture. So that's actually quite amazing to be able to see that kind of playing itself out. And probably good feedback for you as well to, to hear that. <laughs> kind yeah. of you know, how one of your customers has experienced um, that from one of your staff as well. But I, yeah, I was that, feeling yeah. really inspired. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, so... That's awesome. That's, and that's really important because um, the, next, the next part of it is incentivizing, replicating the behavior that you want. Mm. And actually, one of the big things that we try and work on consistently internally is empathy and compassion. Mm. So how do our sales team actually develop a really strong and acute sense of EQ, which isn't something that typical sales teams really develop or have at their forefront. Yeah. But empathy for the person who's under the phone is really critical. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really pleased that you actually had that experience with Abhinav, that you felt that he was listening to you and that he was yeah. coaching. And yeah. I, so I'm actually quite a sensitive person. I'm the kind of person where I pick up a phone and I can tell if it's a salesperson on the phone within two seconds. Like I, just from the tone <laughs> of how they say hello, I'm like, oh, it's a salesperson. And so like, yeah, so like I'm really sensitive to that. But when I, I've, I've had a lot of bad experiences with salespeople where I just think, oh, man, it just sounds like they're, like they're on a different wavelength or they're just not listening or they're not getting like what I'm saying about my business. They're trying to fit me in a little box and I've never yeah. felt that with your team. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's really, they're good, really good. They're good listeners. I noticed this, I don't know, I think it was Abhinav was the first person that I noticed it with, that if you like started to talk, he would just stop talking straight away and he'd always let you go first. And I'm like, oh, that was like, it was just, there's a couple of things like that that really stood out to me that I have not experienced before. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, good. Good. I think, I think encouraging um, good habits and it could be, uh, it could be some sort of, I don't know, um, the two co-founders of Receipt Bank are remarkably different men. Alexis and Michael could not be more different in pretty much every single way. To each other, you mean? Yeah, to each other. They are just absolute opposites, but mm -hmm. they're 
there's one major similarity between the two and that's their manners actually both men are probably two of the most polite men that I've ever met and that's (laughs) ever (laughs) um and I think that behavior has certainly affected me and certainly um influenced me in the way that I behave uh, and and conduct business and I think that's infiltrated all the way through so as you say actually letting the person go first um we I hope a really good people at showing gratitude and showing thanks for, for people. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of things that we kind of obvious one ones that can get easily lost if you don't really embed them and really put them at the forefront. Um, so that's the kind of behavior that we certainly want to replicate and, and encourage. Um, so, yeah. Um, the next one is outsourcing and I hope this one is going to be, um, particularly useful for for the listeners today who don't have somebody uh, at the moment either as an employee um, that they can delegate quickly to. Delegating um, can be a really odd thing to do and it can actually start to feel really uncomfortable when you're initially doing it. It's not something that I found naturally pain easily at all. I had to really concentrate on it which sounds odd. Yeah. Um, but Alexis, the CEO, has always been terrific at the concept of um, you've got to move what you're doing off your plate so you can free up your time because you've got the power to do more. You've got the ability to do more uh, and not more of the same, but more different. So you've got the ability to grow your business in a different way if you stop doing, you know, X number of payrolls that day. So can you park the payroll with somebody else for an example? Um, And the delegating doesn't necessarily have to be um, an internal person. I mean, we've had a, a virtual assistant working with us for the last four and a half, five years, and she's based in Melbourne. Yeah. And Jen still does odd jobs for us all the time. Yeah. At the moment, she's doing, um, she's being an actress for <laughs> our interview phone screening. So she's oh. pretending to be a potential bookkeeper or a potential accountant when our interviewees, our candidates phone up. Yeah. So she does all sorts of varied topics and kind of tasks for us. Yeah. Um, and it's thinking, if you don't have the time to do it yourself, and if you can't do it, definitely moving it on to somebody else and asking them to do it is really important. Yeah. But even the things that you're doing routinely, and you're thinking, gosh, I wish I didn't have to do this. Gosh, let's take up all my time. It doesn't have to be software that automates it. It can be somebody that you can just park it with for a short-term mm-hmm. um, short time thing. So getting into the habit of delegating quickly and often yeah. um, is really key to, to freeing up your time. Yeah. Um, it's a hard thing to do though I can't pretend that's an easy one um, out of all of this I actually think that's possibly the hardest yeah um, yeah and I know as a, as a bookkeeper like I can be a real perfectionist and I know like I love the way that I can just get it done whereas you know to sit down and explain it to somebody and hand the job over and that kind of thing as well and also it can be a habit you just yeah. get the habit sometimes I find myself I slip back into the habit and I'm like oh why am I doing this my sister can do this. yeah so yeah the skill in itself <laughs> it definitely is um yeah the non-negotiables so this is my favorite and I didn't realize this is what I was doing when I did it mm-hmm. I think that's why it's my favorite this this came um kind of going back to the manners thing and being trying to be polite as possible mm-hmm. um when I started building the team here there were three or four things that no one could move on Mm-hmm. And the running joke used to be, I actually used to say it to Norman quite a lot, 
there are lots of things that you and I are going to be able to debate, but this isn't one of them. Um, <laughs> you know, we can debate about lots of things, but this is not going to be one of them. Yeah. And one of my non-negotiables used to be um, being on time. Yeah. Sounds really simple. Mm-hmm. Sounds incredibly easy. Yeah. But the number of phone calls I have or meetings that I have where people are late externally really surprise me. And it's because somebody hasn't just put a, a, like, put a, a line in the sand saying, you can't be late at yeah. all for yeah. anything. Yeah. So I was never late if I was doing a one-on-one with my team or if I was doing a whole team session. They were never late with me. Um, they were never late with each other. Yeah. And it sounds really basic, but then that meant that they were always on time for their phone calls with their partners. Yeah. And something as simple as that, the way that I treat them, the way they treat me and the way they treat each other starts to manifest itself. Yeah. Um, and again, it becomes self-regulating. And now so, I'm realising how patient Norman was with me. <laughs> I missed out. It's like I never saw the alert in my phone and I'd miss the call. <laughs> I, I would often just be like, you know, I'd ring him back five minutes later, I'd see it and I'd be thinking, oh my goodness, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was with me then. He's from an on-time culture. That's good. Never exactly that. <laughs> and I, I think it was a uh, it was the beginning of this year. I was speaking to a um, I went on a sales management course uh, in the UK, and the professor who was conducting it or or saying it was saying that often when you go up in your career, you value other people's time less. So you think it's okay for you to be late because you think yeah. you're more important um, than the other person. Yeah. And that's something that I fundamentally disagree with. And because I built this culture of being on time, mm. I've always shown that and they always then show that to themselves. I think that's just so, so crucial. Yeah. Um, so working out what your non-negotiables are, mm. and that can be different to the organization, that can be different to the, the business owner, um, it may be things like you're not going to respond to emails after a certain time or you're not going to pick up the phone um, on a certain day. You can work out what your non-negotiables are, but as long as they're consistent for the way um, you expect to be treated and the way you treat others, then it'll start to, to be embedded. And, and I think for a lot of the ladies listening, this will be very applicable for our relationships with our clients as well, because yeah. I know we've, we've had Debbie Roberts come and talk to us about um, the importance of having good engagement letters and, you know, having those boundaries in place where I think b- before I... Um, before I had my first engagement letter through Debbie helping me to implement one, I never thought to let a client know that I would return their call within 24 hours and that I expected them to return mine within 48. Like just mm. little things like that, like telling a client, you know, I, I do expect a reply to my emails, just simple things like that, that can, I guess you put those things in place and it can stop you. I don't know, I guess, becoming resentful towards your client or, or vice versa with them, with you. So absolutely absolutely i think setting the expectations is so so crucial um so uh there are two pieces of advice that i've been given up to this point um which i think have been terrible and i'll bore you with one one of them was um sophie you're always going to be disappointed in your career because your standards are just too high now i think that is just fundamentally terrible advice to give anybody at any age at any point in their career right I just think that's awful but I think it goes back to if you can set your expectations appropriately and you can ensure that they're fair and equal 
your expectations should be high and they should be getting higher. We can only be getting better if we keep pushing ourselves and the the team around us. So um, I think, yeah, being, and and that's the same for your clients. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I, I think the problem where, I think where people say expectations are too high, it's often where it's just one sided as well. You know, where, where, you know, as you said, perhaps a, a boss might have very high expectations of their staff, but then they're not accountable on their side. Whereas yeah. with you having your high expectations, you're actually honouring the, the expectations that you've put in place for others. You actually honour that, which gives you, I guess, credibility, which makes your staff want to do the right thing by you. So, that's yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> um, and the last of the six things was culture. Um and I always get asked about our culture at Receipt and I always get asked in interviews, you know, what's your culture like? You know, joining a software company, it must be really fun and there must be a ping pong table and there must be a bring your dog to work day and there must be all this kind of cool stuff. Yep. Uh, and the truth of it is, uh, well, the truth of it is, it's actually a lot of hard work. So yeah. if you're wanting fun, it doesn't really work. <laughs> I don't know many businesses that are run entirely on, on fun alone. Mm-hmm. Humour is one thing but yeah. fun is something slightly different. Yeah. Um, and so the culture of your business, if you're going to be bringing in other people to it, is you've got to be really conscious in designing what you want the experience to be. It doesn't just happen organically. Yeah. Um, things don't just miraculously turn into a positive environment. Um, they can quickly turn into a negative one, or the mm-hmm. momentum that you're building and take a very long time to build can quickly decline mm-hmm. um, if you don't really intentionally think about what it is you want the experience of working at your organization to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the, the elements of it that we spoke about of um, recognizing the behavior that you want and defining what your non-negotiables are is it becomes self-regulating. It doesn't become, as you said earlier, top down mm-hmm. where it's you know, one person saying, this is how I want it to be. It becomes the team is the way they act and interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's really for me what the culture is because culture has got to define you both in good days and in bad days when things are really good and going well and things are really tough and you're in the trenches and you're battling through it that's true Um, people can't just up and leave with every fire that's i guess that's when what you've implemented gets tested during the the tough times yeah absolutely oh there you go fantastic so what i'll do i'll just we don't have a lot of time in this segment for questions but if if anyone has a question whoever gets their question first we can do one question um and while i'm waiting i'm just i have a question um which is basically um how do you create a culture within a team that's actually in multiple locations so i think for us as bookkeepers often our staff our um, team are actually remote so we're not working necessarily in the same office with people and I I think I've I've heard you speak before about how you've managed to get the culture across Receipt Bank to be similar like when you go to the different offices it's quite similar yeah um routine and process so really unglamorous uncool things but routine and process so the way if you were to walk into the Receipt Bank London office or the Receipt Bank Washington DC office Mm -hmm. things would be noticeably similar yeah not only furniture or the layout but actually the day-to-day workings so that cool listening that happens happens in every location so that constant feedback happens in every location so for for a bookkeeper who may be having um remote working or or colleagues who may be you know nationally or internationally ensuring that you've got some regularity with what you do Mm -hmm. so you could do some form of newbie baking 
where somebody has to bake a cake or they have to, you have a coffee one morning and you all have to send a photograph of it or you have a Zoom meeting where you're all enjoying the coffee together for 15 minutes. And if it happens every Friday or once a month, um, that's cool. It can't just happen sporadically because if it happens sporadically, it doesn't get embedded. So if you're building a remote culture, there's got to be a process towards it and consistency. Yeah, fantastic. That's great. Okay, well, so there's no more questions and we have run out of time. Um, so, yeah, just thank you so much for attending tonight. Everything you've shared has just been so helpful. It's been very insightful to get a bit of a glimpse into this receipt bank office. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, everybody, if you just want to, um, you know, you can post your thanks on, on the thread and just say thank you to Sophie. If you have any further questions, you can just ask her in the text there. Um, she may or may not be able to answer it tonight, maybe tomorrow if she's got to go. She's, it looks like she's still in the office there. So, um, yeah, just... No, that was great. Thank you so much. That was a, a, an awful lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed that. It was very good. Anyway, thank you all for joining me and I will see you next month. Okay, goodbye. Good night, everybody. Seriously, how good was that? That was really good. I really enjoyed listening uh, to that replay and just, you know, just hearing Sophie's voice again, just really lovely. Um, She's, uh, yeah, just such a clever um, and also very uh, kind but intelligent person. I really enjoy um, speaking with her and yeah hopefully you've enjoyed listening to that as well i just wanted to put in a little quick reminder at the end that if you wanted to listen to the first part of that interview with sophie then you'll need to jump back a couple of episodes so it's episode 39 um if you'd like to listen to that i will put a link to it in the podcast notes and again Um, Just as I said at the start, if you're not listening on a mobile device and you're on a computer, go to thesavvybookkeeper.com.au forward slash podcast dot com dot au forward slash podcast and put in your email address and your name and then we will send you reminders about the podcast every Friday and the other thing was please leave a review while you're on your app right now just click on that little button give us some stars and just let us know how you feel about the podcast and about your experience on there that would be fantastic and I will see you all next week thank you for joining me Thank you for listening to another episode of The Bookkeeper's Voice. We'll be back next week, so make sure you subscribe to get future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And if you love this episode, jump on and leave us a review. Are you looking for some resources to help build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love? Join the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook page or head to our website, thesavvybookkeeper.com.au. Until next time, stay savvy.